And we're back. Second episode. Week two. Officially a trend. <laughs> two data points. It's a winning streak. One characteristic emerged as a significant predictor of success. It was grit. So this week, we've been working on a number of different things all over the place, but uh, kind of some of the main things, we increased the pricing on ad reform, which was a big topic of last episode of like increasing pricing. So we made some changes there and added like like the ability to pick annual pr- plans um, in a self-service way. So hopefully we can drive a little bit more on, on that side of things. Um, and then we also added... I'm saying we, but like Kyle did all this. <laughs> we added um, uh, the ability to update your credit card because that's been coming up quite a bit. Um, and we're, we have a lot of customers, you know, overseas. So in Australia and Singapore and just all over Europe. So it becomes difficult to like get on the phone and change their credit card. And um, it just becomes like pretty painful. So the ability to add that um, was obviously easy, but we just hadn't gotten to it yet. I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about that, but yeah, I think you just stole all my weekly updates. All right. <laughs> um, yeah. So the price increase stuff, pretty straightforward um, in terms of how we did that on the technical side, but yeah, just adding stuff in Stripe, et cetera. Um, I don't know why we didn't have annual plans in the app this entire time, but we did not. A lot of them end up being custom, I guess anyway, but it's nice to have those there for people at least so they can see um, the savings for those of them that do kind of sign up through the traditional preset plans. Um, but yeah, on the updating card thing, it's kind of funny. We've talked about that for a while and it's like, we did the bare minimum Stripe integration. Um, and I actually think uh, heard some other people talking about Stripe recently about how it's like, it always kind of ends up being a little more work than you thought or than it seems like it should be. Not because it's not a great product, but just because billing can get complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, so we tried to keep it minimal and we, we did a good job of that. Especially for us because we, so it's different with user feed and ad reform, but ad reform is we definitely have more custom deals. Sure. I used to work in like mid-market enterprise sales and the deals are always like much more custom, right? Because they want a little of that, a little of this, I want this feature. So like add-ons and then you're maybe doing discounts if, if that's the kind of thing that you do. Um, so those become more custom and the deal sizes are larger. And then with user feed, everything is self-service. The plans are very, like, we stick to those plans. We don't have to, like, go off script. So, like, the Stripe stuff becomes a lot, well, a little bit easier. Um, we don't have to go in and, like, change stuff um, or add new Stripe plans or any of that kind of stuff. But it's also, in some ways, more complicated. Like, it's easier to do manually, but then if you want to wire up the ability to capture payment information, I know there's other tools out there for that, Charge B um third parties built on stripe etc but it just becomes yeah like how much of it do you want to tie to your database um and in into your app versus um how much of it are you willing to do kind of manually so anyway we've done it all manually at least the card updating type stuff any subscription updates have been manual um so it's nice to have that in the app for people to to do that and actually as part of the as part of the price increase we also obviously we updated the marketing site as well for ad reform Mm-hmm. and simplified it a little bit and we haven't quite done this yet but i know it's it's on my to-do list to try wiring up a custom bot so previously for screenshots you have to chat us um or you know you can sub- you can add your email and subscribe and we'll reach out but we've talked about using an intercom custom bot so that we could actually prompt them with a few options and then we could 
probably provide a better response. Um, so that'll be interesting to experiment with. Uh, fortunately, we're on the startup pricing, so we get that stuff included. Uh, time will tell if we stick with it whenever we have to pay full price. But in the meantime, might as well use it. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Well, what's our uh, what's our big topic today? Well, actually, one more thing. Oh. Um, the other thing working on the user feed side, we're working on kind of a bigger project. And I just wanted to... I feel like it's trendy to talk about shape up because it's new and everyone's talking about it. <laughs> but we have benefited from kind of the language and the framework it's provided. It certainly will be very different for us since we're a small, small team. But it has been nice to both formalize more of our thinking in like the pitch, quote unquote, pitch format. Uh, but also just having that language around like imagined work versus discovered work. And it's okay to not know all your to do's up front and the list of to-dos might grow. Um, so I think we'll talk yep. more about that probably in it, its own episode, but it's been fun working on a new feature with that kind of framework and being able to hash out a bunch of stuff up front, identify some rabbit holes, but also allow uh, people to discover the work and, and have that be part of the ownership of building something. So yeah, I've, <laughs> it was funny. I was meeting with a, um, like a financial advisor the other day and she was talking about, well, you know, we've, let's come up with some things. Let's come up with some um, you know, things that you're going to want down the line, you know, whether that's like a scholarship fund for your daughter, like all these things, all these like big life things that you want to do later. Um, and we'll like set all the investments in place based on those things. And I started and like I was <laughs> I immediately started thinking about the same way that you you were thinking about product and like um like shape up as like the theme of like I don't know what I I have no idea what I'm going to want to be doing in 15 years like how could I possibly be making those kind of decisions like she's like are you going to want to you know a new uh, a house or a boat or like go you know travel the world I'm like I have no idea like I'm gonna I'm, I may want that now but I have no idea what yeah. I'm gonna want in 15 uh, years so why should I be making like roadmap type decisions now versus like just waiting until then. I think Landon just suggested to plan financials in six-week cycles. So <laughs> see, see where that gets you. Yeah, no, I don't but, know. Yeah, I think it, to your, yeah, it's, it's kind of the, it definitely applies to everything. Like we want to have a long-term mindset, but also be responsive and flexible. Um, so I think that's what's been nice about having that mindset for sure. Maybe we'll, we'll have another episode where we talk more specifically about shape up and like how we're, yeah, how totally. we're sort of designing our um, work cycles and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think it'll it'll take us a few more iterations. We were already kind of copying a lot of what they do or drawing inspiration from the cycles and stuff. So yeah, we will continue to iterate on that and probably talk about it. More and your later. your free tool that will be named later. Will be named later. We'll talk about it later. Yes. All right. So the main topic of conversation today, or the main theme, is about talking to customers. You should do that. <laughs> you should. And not just because that's the main focus of one of our products, user feed. But I think it's a, and I think it's a pretty buzzwordy, popular thing to, to say is like talk to customers. But I think it's, it's actually uh, pretty seldom used, um, even with the, the SaaS products that we're using. So there's a couple of different things we want to talk about today in regards to talking to customers, like how to talk to, like why you should talk to customers what kind of insights you can get from that, but also 
how you should be talking to customers in different situations. Like support is maybe different from like an actual product feedback conversation. Um, but just talking about some of these different things. So I don't know if you want to start with maybe something that's come top of mind for you. Yes. Um, yes. Well, I guess real quick, you mentioned it being sort of a buzzword topic. And I think that's one pitfall is that it can be trendy to talk about customers first and customers are everything and listen to your customers. And I think the downside of that being such a popular topic uh, is it can glamorize that process a little bit. And I think in some ways, if you glamorize the process, you might start to try to avoid the parts of the process that are not glamorous. (laughs) And ultimately, that might lead you to being bad at talking to customers. Because let's be honest, talking, handling support tickets and handling, you know, customer issues and even handling leads that maybe they're not a great fit, but it takes you a while to figure that out. That's all talking to your customers or potential customers. And it's not always so fun, but it's very important. Um, so I think it can be easy to, to glamorize it and talk about just the fancy parts where you're doing customer interviews that are in-depth and researched, and then you slice up the results and do all this analysis, which is very cool and good. But there's, a, there's plenty of parts that are not that, and I think it's, it's important not to ignore those. But that's a quick, quick aside. By things that are not that, you mean like support conversations? The boring... Typically. Yeah, right. But yeah. It doesn't have to be live chat, but day-to-day support can be mundane in some ways or boring or repetitive or frustrating interruptive and there are ways to manage all those different negative connotations or negative aspects but i think at the core it's it's important to help your customers accomplish what they're trying to accomplish and sometimes that may be at the expense of something you think is cooler yeah or more important some people thinking that right yeah in in some cases like oh i'm being distracted by support conversations when it's much more important for me to code right now but and that may be true in some cases, but it's not totally black and white. Like, remember, talking to customers is what's informing what you're coding. Yeah, and this, this is probably a good lead-in to my, my gripe here that I had a weird experience on a customer support, on the other side of customer support this week. Uh, because part of it is, obviously, a lot of it depends on your orientation as a business. So for us, we're small and we are customer funded at this point. So it's probably more important for us, maybe you could argue, than someone who has 20 million in the bank. They can, whether they should or not, they can probably get away with ignoring people or being bad at support for longer because they just have money and they can, they can lose customers and not feel it as much. They can hide a little bit, yeah. fake it a little bit longer. Which to me is a not feature forever. of being customer funded is you don't get that luxury. And that's, I don't think you should, it's not even a luxury. It's kind of a pitfall. So anyway, th- that is probably the case with the company I, I interacted with this week on support is that they have some venture funding, but uh, I won't name the company, but we're, we were using this product and first of all, it was a weird start because I was trialing it and it supposedly had a free trial, but then... Once I got my data into the product, it turns out I couldn't get my data back out without paying. So it was kind of like a hostage situation, <laughs> which felt a little dishonest. Probably was not intentional, but that was, the, that was kind of how it felt to me as the customer. 
So I, I was like, fine, I got to get my data out. So I upgraded. Um, and then I went to export my data and the export did not work, which was especially frustrating coming off of the sort of bait switch feeling. So I wrote in over the weekend, which obviously was a holiday weekend here in the US. So I didn't have a, an expectation that they would get back to me immediately, but I didn't hear from them until like five days later, mid, you know, the middle end of this week. And that was only after I followed up twice more. <laughs> and after all that, as a developer and like a support person who does support, I try to be thoughtful about what I, what I provide when I'm... Information-wise. Right. When I'm, when I'm reporting something, I try to provide as much information as I can. So Good karma. I gave them a link to the page that I was working on, the action I was trying to take, the file that tried to export but didn't work etc. And the only response I got after sending all of that, waiting five days, following up twice, waiting another day, was, hey, Kyle, do you want me to try to export your data? <laughs> that was it. Like it was like a saved reply or something. It's like, yes, obviously I'm trying to export my data, so you should just go ahead and do that and send me the data. Also, do you care that it is broken or maybe broken? Or can you at least feign interest in the bug right and that that's that's where i get really frustrated and it, it feels so simple like the simplest thing to do is just respond and say hey it sounds like you're having an issue we want to make sure we understand it i mean at the end of the day i get it if 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 it's a very esoteric bug that only i encounter i don't expect you to drop everything and like try to fix it but you can at least express some sort of empathy for right. the fact that i just became a paying user and couldn't use the product that's the key thing I mean, that's what I've found in support and just my experience working with people that are really good on the support side is that it's you're not, I mean, even our, at our last company, like there, there was just like any company, there was tons of issues all the time or features we didn't have or whatever. And it, when somebody writes in about that, um, like just trying to be as empathetic about their ch challenge or problem is literally like half the battle. Even though you may not be able to solve it ever, you definitely may not be able to solve it now. So it's just like being like if you can just have that mindset, you're like almost like halfway there. Yeah, and obviously, I, this company did not have that, and I don't know why. Like, I think maybe some companies, it's like a metrics thing, right? It's like they care more about like just getting tickets closed. It's not about like the the metric. Like it should, it almost shouldn't be a metric. It should be like a mindset of like being empathetic. Are yeah. we being empathetic at our size? It's it's easier to not care about metrics. I'm sure as as you grow, I mean, I know that it's, it's easier to measure people on numbers, but I think from a customer standpoint, I don't really care about a ticket. I just want to understand what's going on and, and get my data out. So anyway, ended up, I did get my data, but even, even the founder of the, bit of the company chimed in with an unhelpful response, which was, it works for me. Is it working? Which is not helpful at all. So um, I'm not sure... I'm not sure how to take that. But Wait, that response, though, is pretty, like, it comes across as like, hey, obviously it's working and you're an idiot. So, yeah, is it working? It's definitely <laughs> frame. I, I, I don't know if it was purposely phrased in a way that would make me feel dumb or if it was just lazy. But to say something like it works for me definitely puts the onus back on me, which is what, strange. Maybe what's a better, how would you respond to that? Hey, I just tried it in your account and it seems to be working on my end. 
I want to make sure it's working on your end because if it's not, there's still some sort of issue that we need to look into. Like acknowledge the fact that there might be a problem. Even if you're 100% certain that I am wrong, at least you can make me feel like maybe I'm right. So I don't know. Obviously, the company is getting away with this thus far, and hopefully I'm, I'm an isolated case. Probably not. Um, well, moving on to another example. So we, we had, a, uh, unfortunately, a customer uh, cancel their subscription this week on user feed. Um, the reason being that they canceled their subscription with Intercom. And if you, a uh, quick pitch for user feed. User feed is built 100% on top of Intercom. So um, obviously if a customer cancels Intercom, they're, they're probably going to cancel. Well, they are going to cancel user feed, uh, which maybe is like not, that's probably like the best way to get, to have somebody cancel is if they left Intercom and there's, it's not really anything about us. I guess when you're built on a platform, there's like, it's not you, it's me, but there's also, it's not you, it's them. There's like three <laughs> yeah. parties. Which is kind of unfortunate, but it's also the reason we get customers too. So it's yeah. our free acquisition channel, but the downside is somebody leaves, they're going to leave you too. Having said that, the reason why they can't, like, when, when, it, when anybody cancels, we always ask, you know, is there, is there some way that we fell short? Like um, that kind of thing. And they mentioned like, no, we're just, we're leaving Intercom. We love user fee, but we're leaving Intercom. So then naturally we like ask, well, why are you leaving Intercom? Like what's going on? And we had talked to this customer a couple of times prior to this. So we sort of knew kind of what was going on, but essentially they they canceled intercom because they felt that uh support or just i guess live chat support was becoming too distracting for their small team who uh like us is is doing other things too like building product and and whatnot and this actually seems to be a pretty common like for people that are maybe critical about like live chat and things like that this seems to be like something that comes up a good bit that it, that it's distracting similar to like Slack being distracting um, or something like that. And it's like pulling them away from uh, more important tasks or things that they should be doing. So obviously we had some, we had some strong opinions about that and we let them know and um, not in like a bad way, just like letting them know, like asking almost like having strong opinions by asking more questions. We think this, we think this is like not a super black and white process, right? Like, yes, it is distracting, but again, back to the point we made earlier, like it's, talking to your customers is a way of informing what you're actually building and talking to them once coming up with what you're going to build and then not doing it anymore so that you can focus on building is, is not a good strategy either. And yep. we've had people, we've literally had, uh, we've had a couple people in the past that um, used our product to gather product feedback and then uh, canceled because they're like, we may come back, but like we got a lot of, we have a ton of feedback we just want to go, now go like build stuff, right? And again, same thing. It's like that's not gonna that's not a good strategy, right? And that actually kind of leads us to like the whole like shape up, like how 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 you do that and um, why roadmaps are maybe not the greatest way of of building. Yeah, maybe you could talk a little bit about that. Yeah, if they if you're working in, according to Basecamp, they're working in six week cycles, and they're planning those cycles basically as they happen. So or you know, in between the cycles, you're planning the next six weeks. You don't map out the, you know, the next 12 months. And part of the goal there is to be responsive and understand what's happening now and not commit to something in the future because the future will be different. Uh, so I think, yeah, that kind of has a tie into support where if you're not, if you try to turn off the valve of customer feedback and customer support and just build stuff, you might, you might be missing some important information to inform what you're working on. 
at a minimum, not to mention obviously the customer experience could be degraded. So yeah, I think I think it's it's interesting when people talk about live chat being a distraction. I, I get that. I'm not gonna say that everyone should have live chat or, or I'm not going to prescribe anyone how to do anything in their business, I guess. But for us as a small team, it's kind of funny because when you're small, you feel like if only we had more people, we could do more stuff. Um, and so I think that leads people to say like, if we have more people, maybe I'll have a dedicated person for live chat. But in, in the meantime, we're too small and I don't want to deal with it, which is valid. Um, but for us, we think about it the, the opposite way, which is like, we're small. We really need to engage and talk and be, be there for our customers so that you know, the time that we're not talking to them, we can maximize how we spend that time. There might be less time to spend to do stuff that's not talking to customers. But if we are talking, we can spend that time very, very wisely because we have spoken with them. That's kind of how we see it. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a bummer when people cancel because they, they don't want that closeness, that sort of personal style support that Intercom gives you. But yeah, we, we shared with them our perspective on yeah. it. If you feel that customer support is in some way, shape, or form a distraction, um, actually talking to customers more can inform you of ways that you can decrease the amount of support you're actually getting <laughs> or su- support load. So like those things could be um, one thing that, that we've seen other people track and we've done it a little bit is like keeping track of um, what types of requests that we're getting. And those could be things that are, they could be typical questions, which might lead us to say, well, why don't we have a knowledge base article for this thing? Or why don't we make this more explicit in, in the product? Or why don't we have a, a, a saved reply for this that we can always, like, it's a very common question. Let's just have a saved reply. Like, there's a lot of different things that you can do to basically decrease the amount of support that you're getting. But on the other side of things, right, like, we're big believers that support is essentially feedback like it may be covered up by how they present it or how they ask for it but if you dig deep enough it's some sort of feedback in some way shape or form and you should be gathering that you should be tracking it and keeping track of that data and so if you believe that that customer feedback is core to your business then you should also like probably believe that the customer support is key to getting that feedback yep and it's not a distraction i mean it may be a distraction sometimes but uh, a higher priority is that it is core to getting that customer feedback. Yeah, I think that's where, oh, the glamorous sort of customer conversations become a way to avoid the other parts. Also on that, there's a lot of different ways to talk to customers. And one way is support. Another way is uh, like phone conversations or user interviews, um, which is like a very popular like a very popular topic, especially amongst uh, product managers and marketers, I think, uh, product marketers. And then also like in-person conversations. And each one of those has, like you're going to get different insights from each of those. Support, you're going to get like the problem that that user has in the moment, in the app, where they're having it, which is really, really valuable. And it's probably really raw, but it's like very valuable feedback. Whereas a phone conversation that you scheduled in advance, like maybe things aren't top of mind. So you might get a different kind of feedback, but you have, but you're talking back and forth over the phone. And so maybe you get some, some insight that you didn't get via support. And then in-person can also be really valuable too, because anytime you're like just face to face with somebody, 
Um, they're usually like a little bit more trusting of you. They'll like maybe spill more information than they otherwise would. Um, it's obviously easier than typing via via chat. Like you can just say it to them um, face to face. So there's just different things that you get from each of those conversations. But the two that are much more glamorous are, or actually the one that's probably most glamorous is like user interviews over the phone because you don't have to leave your office or do any of that. And then also you don't, I don't have to do support, right? But it's just not like if you're just doing that, you're obviously not doing it at scale and you're not going to get all the insights that you could be getting otherwise. And I think we find ongoing support conversations help us identify the right people to reach out to when it's time to talk more specifically about something. Like if we're trying to solve a specific problem, we can look at those people who have reported, you know, trying to solve those those challenges or are trying to do those jobs in our software and we can those are the people we want to talk to so i I think that's a good feeder into that process i think kind of going back to what you were saying about reducing support by having support the thing i think that's kind of one of the fundamental things about i'm not saying you should have live chat because i certainly don't believe everyone should but i think a lot of people think about it like you either have accessible support or inaccessible one way of reducing support is to make it harder to report problems or to contact us. That is the wrong way to think about it. I've, and so many people think that way. And like, so it doesn't have to be live chat, but you shouldn't make it hard for me to figure out how to ask for help. I've literally had conversations with prospective customers and customers who have said like, we're, we're like taking intercom off of some of these pages as a way to like try to uh, decrease the amount of support volume we're getting. And it's like, I don't think that's the that is a that is a strategy to get rid of that, yeah. support, let's, I guess, but let's not treat, the let's right treat the strategy. symptom of the problem instead of the problem, which is obviously some sort of user confusion. I think obviously I should qualify all this by we're a paid B two B software, so this applies in our context. I'm sure in like freemium worlds or consumer worlds, there's very different dimensions yeah. for to think about. But that's kind of where we come from, and it's working for us. We we think it's important and we think the the stuff we learn helps us like i said we can maximize our time that's not spent because of the time that we do spend yeah. talking to customers well like a lot, i mean i mean some some of what like when we're talking to these customers that are doing these things and we're trying to explain to them why maybe that's not the right strategy we'll always bring up like hey like we're we're literally two people running two you know saas businesses or saas products um with you know thousands of users which isn't like crazy amounts but like it's a decent amount and we're handling it just fine and uh shipping product just fine like it can be done like you just have to do, you just have to have the right strategy the right mindset and you have to really believe that customer customer feedback um and talking to customers is the way like is the route to becoming a successful business yep you can have success and not think that so that's where it becomes a challenge. But I think for yeah. us, it's just important. And if people don't buy our product or they quit our product, I don't want it to be because they can't get help mm-hmm. or, or things are confusing and there's no explanation. And there's no one to talk to. Like if the product doesn't solve a problem, the problem's not real or it's not painful enough, like that's a separate problem. But it, well, it's also like, it's a huge differentiator now like more than it ever has been before to to uh talk to customers and capture customer feedback but also have a great support 
strategy or support team um, that's empathetic. Like now more than ever, it's it's much easier to to build things now quicker with less money. And so because of that, there's more and more competitors out. There's just millions and millions. I mean, we because we're built on intercom, I'm always seeing these different SaaS. But there's just so many different SaaS businesses. Um, cost to acquire customers is going up, and all this kind of stuff. And there's just less differentiation from a feature or product standpoint between all of your competitors and even companies that you wouldn't even say are in your space, but they're kind of competing with you for those customers. And so because of that, like the support that you, that you offer your customers, the experience um, and the customer feedback they're able to gather is incredibly valuable um, and a huge differentiator for your business. And one of the biggest, if not the biggest differentiators uh, for your business nowadays. Um, yeah. But so. yeah, it's funny because it's a differentiator, but it makes me sad. The fact that it's a differentiator is good for us and our business. But as a human in the world, I wish it wasn't in a way because I wish people were just better at it. So, but I, I can't remember, I can't remember where I read this, but someone somewhere, which hopefully I can find and attribute, uh, talked about customer support being the pain sensor for the organization. I think that's like the way I think about it a lot is if you try to shut off the pain sensor to your organization, yes, you'll be free to kind of move about the cabin, do whatever you want, build whatever you want, but you won't feel any pain. Yep. And I guess lastly, like maybe we could talk a little bit about like our, our process or how we do things, different ways that we try to like at all times talk to customers. So I know when we, and we try to do it throughout the entire customer life cycle. So obviously like, um, whenever they first come to us, like directly from there, we're trying to talk to them in a personal way. So like when somebody signs up, we send, we get a to do in, uh, an app called Bonjuro and we send a personal, like little video, um, of me just saying like, welcome to the, you know, welcome to, to user feeder, to ad reform. Um, you know, if you have any questions, any feedback, whatever, right? So we like reach out with this personal video. It's maybe like 20 seconds long. Um, and we do that for every single user that, that signs up, um, which some people may think is kind of crazy, but, and it probably is crazy if you had like literally like thousands a day, which we don't, but, um, we try, since we don't, we try to be like incredibly personal to them. And then obviously we're, we're trying in a number of different ways to like constantly get, get, uh, capture feedback. I, I'm almost thinking as you're saying that maybe we have a, maybe we have a future episode or, or a bonus episode or something where we talk more specifically about some of the different stuff we do. Yeah, but yeah, generally it's like we have some very lightweight automation in intercom for onboarding and outreach, but generally we try to be, I think full story calls it bionic support. Uh, I think at least as I recall, it was sort of like the human, you know, the, the combination of automation and human. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, we try not to over-automate things, especially since we're small and we can afford to be a little more human uh, and do things a little more manually. So a lot of the feedback we capture is just through support. And we're, we both are on support and we are very responsive. We don't, we don't always respond within minutes, but we often do. And I think having setting an expectation that we'll respond, you know, within the day, but often we can have a real time conversation with people as they're trying to accomplish something. Um, I think it's it's good for customers to have that confidence. 
And also it's good for us to be there when they're trying to accomplish something because that's the best time to understand exactly what it is they're trying to do. Yeah. And that's another, I, I think a lot of people too feel like they have to, because it's live chat, like, oh, I have to, I got, I feel pressure to like respond right away. You can, but you also, you can set expectations that that's not the case. And in our experience, I mean, we'll answer in a minute sometimes and we'll answer in five hours sometimes and nobody seems to really bad and I like nobody has ever said like wow this is like taking a long time like we always try to get back as soon as we can um but sometimes that means like it's going to be a, a little while yeah right? we might be <laughs> it might be somebody in like Australia and we're asleep yep um but no one seems to really care about that so when I hear the argument that like oh I feel there's so much pressure to respond quickly and all this stuff that's only pressure because you're making it pressure like it doesn't need to necessarily be that way. Yeah. And that goes back to what I was saying. If you if you're uncomfortable with that or if, you know, your particular audience does put that pressure on you, I'm not saying maybe live chat isn't the answer, but don't hide all support funnels. Like don't make it impossible for me to reach you. Just make that medium something that works for you and your audience to yeah. set the right expectations. I think there's plenty to talk about here. We could probably go into each of those each of those subtopics and talk more specifically about how we do things. So maybe we'll maybe we'll do that in the future. Yeah. And so the plan is to hopefully get a podcast out like every every Monday and keep like a steady flow here. So if you have any feedback for us on things you would want us to discuss, we would love to hear from you. Where where's the feedback at yes so for feedback we actually now have a twitter handle <laughs> at made with grit fm um so you can hit us up there you can go to made with grit.fm and there's a link there which is just an email link which goes to feedback at made with grit.fm so all of those are ways to tell us how much you love the show but also make suggestions and give us feedback because hey we're listening to our customers in this case you yeah and if you love it give us five stars and if you don't don't give us five stars <laughs> if you don't just don't say anything <laughs> tell all your friends to go give us five stars yeah i think that's uh maybe a wrap all right see you guys see you